स्वामी निखिलानंद इज अ डिसाइपल ऑफ जगत गुरु श्री कृपालुजी महाराज ही रिजाइड्स एट राधा माधव धाम इन ऑस्टिन टेक्सस व्हिच इज द यूएस आश्रम ऑफ जगत गुरु कृपालु परिषद ही ट्रैवल्स अमेरिका प्रीचिंग द फिलॉसफी ऑफ सनातन धर्म एज टॉट बाय श्री कृपालुजी महाराज इन दिस सीरीज ऑफ लेक्चर्स स्वामी निखिलानंद एक्सप्लेन्स द थ्री पाथ्स टू गॉड कर्म ज्ञान एंड भक्ति He reveals the scriptural teachings behind each path and tells which path is the best one to follow. Although this series has been about the three paths to God, karma, gyan and bhakti, yet we focused mainly on bhakti because bhakti is the one and only path that takes you all the way to God realization. And we learned that the bhakti we have to do is called sadhana bhakti and by performing sadhana bhakti we purify our heart and upon complete heart purification we receive a divine power called prema bhakti or siddha bhakti which is god's innermost power which even keeps god under its control so we receive that upon complete heart purification god grants it to us so we focused on sadhana bhakti how to do it so that we can actually purify our heart and we learned that there are a few important conditions that have to be followed number 1 not asking god for any worldly thing or even liberation being totally selfless in addition understanding that bhakti is independent and doesn't need to be supplemented by any other path after that i explained that when we do bhakti to god we should not think of him as god but in fact we should uh, think of him in a closer relationship either as our swami and we're his servant or like friend to friend or like he's our own child vatsalya bhav or madhurya bhav which means thinking of shri krishna as our priyatam so relating ourselves to god in one of those four ways brings us much closer to god and develops our feelings of bhakti much more quickly after that i explained that ananyata is also important only worshiping supreme god and in addition to that choosing one form of supreme god the form that we want to attain and worshiping that form turn it up a little bit anyway someone asked me that uh, well when i'm go to mandir or to someone else's puja or something and you know we're worshiping another form other than the one i'm worshiping although i know that it's the same god but you're saying focus on one form the form you want to attain so for instance if it's ganesh chaturthi and we're doing puja to ganesh ji then how, but maybe my ishta dev is ram or krishna then how do i do that so it's very easy you pray to ganesh ji on ganesh chaturthi and you ask ganesh ji to give you more bhakti to shri krishna so in that way you remain ananya and you give full respect to all the forms then i started explaining about the actual sadhana everything up until then were things you had to understand but what do we actually do that's the sadhana so i told you that is twofold karma sanyas and karma yoga karma sanyas means that sadhana you do when you're away from everything and you're just in a quiet place not involved in any worldly activity and karma yoga means when you still have your mind attached to god just close close the door
karma yog and karma sannyas are two ways of keeping or getting your mind attached to God. One karma sannyas, when you're sitting like you are now, away from the world, right now you're doing karma sannyas. And karma yoga is when you're involved in worldly activities, but still trying to keep your mind in God. I explained that both are important. So far we've only covered karma sannyas. Karma sannyas is very important, meaning that you take time out every day. Every single day, take some time out where you sit. So I explained that in gist, what do you have to do? Find a quiet place away from any distractions, even if it means going in your room and closing the door. Then while you're there in that quiet place, sit alertly but comfortably, either in a chair or on the floor. You can take the help of either a picture or a murti of Bhagwan, the form of God you want to worship, and then using that as help, form an image of God in your mind. That's called Rup Dhyan, and this is the core of Bhakti. Because if we're not thinking of God's form, then where is our mind? It goes back to the world, definitely. So Rup Dhyan comes first. After we find a space where we can sit quietly and do devotion, the next thing we do is Rup Dhyan. So I told you that uh, it's very simple because God rewards us for our effort. When we do Rup Dhyan, God is not looking at how correct our imagination is. He's looking at how strong our faith is, that this is really Him. So when we imagine His form, we should feel that that is real Krishna there. No matter how strong our imagination is, that feeling should be strong. Then, according to your own liking, you can have Krishna of any age, you can have His decorations, His Sringar, any way you want. You can think of any name of Krishna, any Leela of Krishna, any virtue of Krishna, any divine abode of Krishna, any of his divine associates. So you have all kinds of variety to keep your mind engaged. It's good to think of Leelas, it's good to keep some variety so that you're not just thinking of a static picture of Krishna, but real live Krishna in front of you and then doing some lila, are you serving him in any way? It's all part of your meditation. So while you meditate, you can also use all five of your senses. You don't just have to be limited to the visual. I explained that yesterday, that you can use your sense of smell, sense of touch, sense of hearing, all of your senses. In addition, while you're seeing Krishna there and you're trying with different senses to experience his presence, you can also remember those four bhao. So you should feel related to him and, and interact with him either as priyatam or as sakha or as putra or as swami, depending on your own bhao. That's all part of your meditation. In addition to that, while you're meditating, you can uh, switch between these two types of meditation. Milan and Viraha. Milan means when you're meeting with Krishna, like if you're sitting and then you imagine that you're sitting in his divine abode, you imagine maybe divine Vrindavan. And you can't see him, but then all of a sudden you see, oh, he's walking, he's coming closer. And you see him coming closer and closer and then you see all of his decorations and his smile on his face and you come and you go fall at his feet and he picks you up and gives you a hug. That kind of meeting with Krishna, that's called Milan. You can think about different ways of meeting with Krishna in your meditation. Then there's Viraha. Viraha type of meditation means... Let's say you're doing Milan kind of meditation for a while and you're absorbed in that, thinking of meeting with Krishna. And then you open your eyes and you say, no, he still hasn't come. 
It means my faith is not 100%. I keep thinking of Him coming, but if I had full faith, He would have come by now. It's only because my faith is lacking. So then you feel humble and you long for Him. Humble meaning, you know, often we don't feel humble, even in front of God, but we have to learn how to feel humble. What do we have to feel humble about in front of God? Well, there's the fact that we've committed uncountable sins in our uncountable past lives. Even if we've told one lie in each life, since we've lived uncountable lives, we've done uncountable sins. Then if you take the definition of pop by Vedabhyas, Mannimittam kritam papam madharmaya chakalpate Mamanadritya dharmopi Vedavyasji says Any moment that your mind is in God, you're not doing pop. You're not doing sin. If you forget God, whatever you're doing is all pop. Even if it's good karma, if you forgot God, it's all pop. That's Veda Vyasji's definition of pop. So imagine, according to that definition, how many sins are we doing every day? And you can look at it from another way too. You're, you're thinking, you're sitting there. I'm telling you, this is how you can meditate. You're thinking of Krishna and you're thinking of the fact that you haven't met him yet. Your Divine Beloved, your Divine Mother, Divine Father, the only one to whom you're related to and you still haven't met Him, yet He's waiting for you with open arms. There's no delay from His side. The delay is from our side. So that feeling of dhikkar should come. Not in a depressing way. See, that's the thing about bhakti. When you become humble and you repent in that feeling of bhakti, it doesn't give a feeling of depression, not like in the world when you feel guilty that, oh, I did something wrong, and then you just feel bad. There's no need to feel bad. See, God knows that we're just souls. We've made uncountable mistakes, and we'll make uncountable more up until we become God-realized. He knows that. It's just a case of admitting it. That's all. Just admitting it, getting it off your chest. That's it. You know, I'm the most fallen of the fallen. There, there's no one who could be more ungrateful than me. You can think like that. Krishna, you gave me this human body. You arranged for me to find out about this knowledge and the path to you. And what have I done with that? I still haven't found you. In fact, you've given me this opportunity in uncountable lifetimes, and what did I do with it? I keep getting attached in the world. You want to feel humble? Think about this. We think of ourselves as intelligent, competent people, all of us. But think about this. Day after day, we get disappointments in the world. We Keep looking for happiness. We believe that we'll get happiness from this world, and day after day we get more and more disappointments, yet we never learn. We never turn towards God. We just keep hoping more and more from the world. Oh, I didn't find it today, I'll find it tomorrow. So, think about that. How much time have we wasted in this confusion, in this illusion? So thinking about that, we feel humble and we repent for the time we've wasted and the opportunities that we've wasted. And we long for God. The longing is the main thing. Katham vinaro maharsham dravatava chetasa vina vinananda shrukalaya shuddhyed bhaktya vinashaya and the Bhagavatam, Sri Krishna says, if your heart doesn't melt in longing for me, if tears don't come, tears of longing, he says, then your heart won't be purified. You don't have real bhakti. Saying real bhakti, there should be longing. 
And longing means tears and it means a sweet pang of separation and longing and desiring to meet Krishna. That desire has to be there. It has to come. If it doesn't come, why is it not there? Pride. That's the only reason. Why would we not long for Krishna? The only reason is if we, don't, is if we think we don't need Him. That's the only reason we wouldn't long for Him. He is our only eternal relation and He is the very form of Anand. So, what is there that we need that He doesn't have? And those things that we need, happiness, where else can we find it? Nowhere else. Yet, we still won't surrender to Him. Is that pride. We have that pride. And maybe kuchhum. It's okay, I don't, need, I don't need to be 100% surrendered. I'm not fully akinchan, fallen, destitute. No, we have to feel fully destitute from the inside. So that pride has to go away in devotion. In the world, you don't have to act meek and humble, okay? But before God, we have to be meeker than the meekest. We have to be, accept that we're destitute and fallen. So developing that feeling of humbleness is part of bhakti. When we sit to do bhakti, sometimes we can think of meeting Krishna, Milan, and you meditate on all of his leelas and his form and serving him and being with him. That's a very effective meditation. But then you can switch and for some time do viraha meditation where you're, you're thinking, really, why have I not met Krishna yet? Because I've wasted so much time. Krishna, please come to me now. When will you come to me? I'm fallen. I'm destitute. I'm waiting for your grace. This is Viraha style of meditation. So you keep switching between the two so that you keep your mind engaged. The mind likes to have change. And along with that, do Kirtan. This is also important. Although Rup Dhyan is the main thing. If you could do Rup Dhyan without Kirtan, you wouldn't need Kirtan because Rup Dhyan is ye andar ki baat hai, right? Ye man ka kaam hai, Rup Dhyan. You're trying to purify your mind and it's the mind which is doing Rup Dhyan. So that's all that's required except our mind is very fickle, especially in the beginning. So it's going to keep wandering. So we use kirtan, I would say kirtan is, is necessary to keep the mind from wandering and keep it engaged in rupdhyan. All the different kirtan we've been singing this week after my speeches, you see what a variety there is. These ones I've been singing are all written by Jagadguru Sri Kripaluji Maharaj. You can take any kirtan, whatever kirtan you like, Mira Bhajan or Surdas Bhajan or any saint's kirtan. And you use that, it helps you in a couple of ways. It blocks out external distractions. When you're singing, it doesn't matter if there are other noises going on. It keeps you more awake and involved so you won't fall asleep when you're trying to meditate. And most importantly, it gives you more vishay. See, the kirtan might be describing a certain lila. So then your mind is drawn into thinking of that lila. In other words, it pulls you into doing rupdhyan. Or the kirtan is describing your relationship with Krishna. Or it's describing his decorations or his personality. So it pulls your mind into doing rupdhyan. Now, although there are other ways of doing bhakti, not just kirtan, there are so many ways described in our scriptures, like doing jap, doing puja, doing pat. It's all part of doing bhakti. And in fact, all of those practices are correct if you add in rupdhyan. So if you're doing rupdhyan, all of those practices are correct. Nothing wrong. You can do bhakti any way you want, as long as rupdhyan is there. You have to be doing rupdhyan, then do any kind of physical bhakti. Do kirtan, do puja, do pat, do jap, as long as rupdhyan is there. Take rupdhyan out, 
and then it's all multiplied by zero. Do a thousand hours of jap. Repeat Ram's name a hundred thousand times. And what does it equal? A hundred thousand multiplied by zero equals zero. Because if you didn't do Rup Dhyan, it means you weren't thinking of Ram. You were repeating the Akshar, Rama. That doesn't purify your heart. That you're just exercising your, your voice. We have to do Rup Dhyan. Then any other type of Bhakti we do is acceptable. However, given the current state of people's minds in Kaliyug, Tulsidas Ji said, Ehi Kali Kal Nasadhan Duja Yoga Yagya Japavrat Makh Puja. He said, In Kaliyug, Kirtan is the best thing to help you do Rup Dhyan. All those other practices are less effective than Kirtan. Now it's up to you. You choose whatever works for you. Whatever helps you do Rup Dhyan. But Tulsidas Ji is saying, Kali Yuga Keval Hari Gun Gaha Gavat Nar Pavat Bhavataha So in Kali Yuga, to help you do Rup Dhyan, the most highly recommended practice is Kirtan, chanting of God's names, forms, leelas, etc. So now you understand the form of karma sannyas. You sit in a quiet place, you do Rup Dhyan, and you sing Kirtan. Very simple, right? But you have to do it. If you do it, if you keep practicing exactly how I explained to you, and if you can't remember everything I said, then you can go on our website, radhamadavdam.org. It's all, the whole thing is recapped there, how to do devotion. You can also order books from our website. Guruji has a book, Premra Siddhant, which actually summarizes the whole series that I gave here. Or I should say, the whole series I gave is based on his book, Prem Ras Siddhant. So if you want to review the whole philosophy, you can just order that book. But what I was saying was, if you try to practice this form of meditation, you may have some difficulties in the beginning, but eventually it gets easier. You see, right now we have difficulties because our mind is more attached in the world. So when we try to do Rup Dhyana of Krishna, our mind goes back to the world. That's only natural. We have to overcome that initial obstacle. You think about it, that our mind is so attached in this world where it doesn't even find real happiness. Yet we're so attached. Now imagine if you start doing bhakti to Shri Krishna in this way and you start actually experiencing the ras of this devotion where you get real happiness in your heart, then think of how quickly you'll get attached to Him. When you're willing to get so attached in the world where you're not getting real happiness, when you start getting real happiness from Shri Krishna, then you'll get attached to Him very quickly. It's like a, it starts out slowly and then it goes faster and faster and faster. So if you have some difficulty in the beginning, don't worry. Just keep practicing and eventually you'll get over that hump. You'll, you'll get over that initial difficulty and your mind will become enough attached to Krishna that the meditation becomes natural. And when you sit and do Rupdhyana on Krishna, your mind is happy to think of Him. And it doesn't just keep running back to the world. Believe it or not, you do reach that point. But... Abhyasena tu kaunteya vairagyena chagrihyate. Shri Krishna says in the Gita, that comes through abhyas. You have to practice. Without doing abhyas, that day won't come when the meditation becomes natural and easy. So this is karma sannyas. Now I told you that 
practicing karma sannyas is important. If someone thinks they're just going to do karma yoga, meaning I'll just have my activities in the world and I'll remember God all the time, but I don't need to take out any separate time where I just practice karma sannyas. Some people think that. But I told you that no, that, that won't work. Because right now our mind is not even attached to Krishna, so how will we remember him throughout the day? We naturally remember that which we are attached to. So how will we develop that attachment if we don't practice that rup dhyan, in other words, karma sannyas, every day? So that's a must. However, you'll only be doing that for a short time every day. The majority of your time you'll be actively involved in some kind of worldly activity. So during that time, don't think that because, oh, I did my karma sannyas this morning for one hour, I did pure bhakti, rup, dhyan, and kirtan for a whole hour. So now I'll just forget about Krishna for the next 23 hours. I'm good. I did my uh, devotion. No, then during that 23 hours, what's happening? You're losing everything you gained in that one hour. So that's why it's so important to do karma yoga as well. Shri Krishna says, Tasmat sarveshu kaleshu mamanusmara yudhyacha. Arjun, all during your worldly activities, keep remembering me every moment. He says this at several places in the Gita. Tesham nityabhiyuktanam. Evam satata yuktaye. Ananya satatam yomam smarati nityashaha tasyaham sulabha partha nitya yuktasya yoginaha. He keeps saying nitya yukt, your mind must be joined with him all the time. You might wonder, how is this possible? Krishna is saying, that not only during that time when I'm sitting and doing Rup Dhyan do I have to remember Him, but I have to remember Him the other 23 hours of the day as well. How is that possible? This mind can only do one thing at a time. We talk about multitasking, but there's no such thing. The mind can jump from one task to another very quickly, and you call that multitasking. But actually, your mind can only think one thing at a time. See, if uh, I'm talking to you and someone's cell phone rings, and your mind goes over there even for a couple of seconds, then for that small period of time, you didn't hear what I said. Your ears were open and the sound went in, but you didn't hear what I said. So the mind has to be there. See, your ears don't work if your mind is not there. Same thing if you fall asleep. You're sitting in the same room, the sound of my voice is still entering your ears, but you're not understanding anything I'm saying because the mind is not involved with your hearing. So it means that if you're going to work, maybe you're an accountant, maybe you're a computer programmer, maybe you're a teacher, maybe you stay at home and take care of your kids, but whatever you're doing, much of what you do requires the full involvement of your mind. So it means that if you were to try to do Rup Dhyan of Krishna, and then add 2 plus 2, 4, 4 plus 4, you can't do both at the same time. You can do Rup Dhyan of Krishna or you can do math. The same goes for any task that you're doing. So then how are we meant to remember Krishna all the time? If we can't do Rup Dhyan of Krishna while we're doing any other activity. So the answer comes when you understand that there's a difference between the involvement of the mind and the attachment of the mind. Involvement of the mind is required to do any karma in the world. Attachment of the mind is optional. That's your option. Your attachment can be anywhere. It could be in the karma that you're doing, or it could be somewhere else completely different. In other words, you don't have to have attachment in the karma that you're doing.
For example, let's say that a husband has been away for two years. He had to go away for some business to another country. He was living on his own. Now he's coming back. His flight comes in at about lunchtime. So the wife is so excited to meet her husband after two years and she knows he hasn't had home cooked, a real good home cooked Indian meal for two years. He's been probably eating peanut butter sandwiches because he doesn't know how to cook anything. So I'll make him his favorite dish and she cooks lunch with so much involvement and attachment of her mind. And she makes him lunch and he comes and then she serves him and she asks him, oh, how is the food? And he says, oh, it's very good. It's so nice to have a home-cooked meal after so long. Then when she's thinking about what to make for dinner, she's thinking, I want to spend some time with him. I don't want to spend the whole afternoon cooking. So she instructs the servant that uh, you cook this, 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 this thing for dinner. She gives him uh, a whole list, and he's a, the servant knows how to cook, so he starts cooking. And he spends the whole afternoon cooking. He prepares all of those items. And he also serves the husband, and he also asks, you know, how is it made? Was it uh, tasty? Oh, yes, it's very good. So good. So nice to have a home-cooked meal. Then he goes, the servant leaves and goes home to his family. Now look at the two situations. The wife was so happy to cook for her husband and she was cooking with the involvement of her mind and the attachment of her mind and she performed that karma and the food tasted good. The servant, he was about to leave when the wife caught him and said, no, 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 I need you to cook dinner. Don't go anywhere. So he had to stay. Now he cooked the dinner, he left, he went back to his family, his wife asks him, how was your day? He says, oh, it was a long day. I was just about to leave and uh, madam said, you know, no, you have to stay and cook this. So I stayed and cooked. Now I'm tired. So in other words, he did all of that work with zero attachment. Where was his attachment? In his family. So she did the attachment with her, she did the work with her attachment in the work and in her husband, and the servant did the same work with his attachment somewhere else. Yet both meals were praised, both were well cooked, both were very tasty. In other words, you can do the same work with attachment, or you can do the same work without attachment. Now, what does this have to do with karma yoga? What it means is that you already know how to do karma yoga. You already know how to keep your mind in God while working in the world. What it means is that you keep your attachment in God and you physically work in the world. Just like that servant physically did the karma of cooking the meal, but his attachment was in his family. So you do all of your work in the world with your attachment in God. Right now, you do like the servant. You do all of your work. You're not attached to any of it. You're not attached to the zeros and ones on your computer screen if you're a computer programmer. You're not attached to your boss's business. You're, you're not attached to, to almost anything about what you do in the day. You're attached to a few people in your life. So that attachment also has to go in God then we become karma yogis. So it's not about doing rupa-dhyana of Krishna throughout the day, it's about maintaining our attachment in Krishna while we do the work that is required of us. Someone might ask, really, I'm not sure, how is it possible to do the work properly without attachment? I thought the work would be done better with attachment. Take a couple of examples. Would a surgeon operate on a family member? No. Because he knows his emotional attachments may cloud his judgment. He'll get a trusted surgeon, someone he has respect for, who is not attached to his family, and he'll say, you operate on my child, or you operate on my husband or wife. 
Similarly, a nurse in a maternity ward is caring for so many dozens of children every day. She brings so many children into the world and even sees some children die. That's her job. Every day that's happening. But where's her attachment? With her sick child at home. See, she's taking care of the children in the hospital, but her own child has the flu and is at home, so her mind is there. Meaning, she's paying full attention to her work and she's doing a professional job, but her attachment, her heart is over there. You, you can feel that difference, right? Like, think of it like newlyweds. Newlyweds are so tied together in the heart. Then they go out and they go to their separate jobs. But each one is so deep in the other's heart that throughout the day, the husband keeps feeling that attachment for his wife and the wife keeps feeling that attachment for her husband. Even though their mind is engaged in something, you feel a deep attachment. So where does that attachment come from? It comes by practicing karma sannyas. You have to practice the devotion in a quiet place every day, doing rup dhyan to build that attachment, then that attachment that's growing in your heart, that remains there throughout the day. That feeling of connection or affinity to Krishna remains throughout the day while you work. Just like currently, your affinity and love for your family remains in your heart throughout the day, no matter what work you're doing. If you progress on the path of bhakti, that starts to shift so that your attachment is in Krishna. And in that way, deep in your heart, he's there all the time, no matter what work you're doing. A teacher takes care of 20 or 30 kids the whole, long, the whole day long. A teacher is so good at taking care of kids. Teachers learn so many skills, how to deal with kids who give them trouble, who act up in class. They learn different ways of, you know, how to deal with situations effectively without yelling or losing control of the situation. They're so effective. They have all these techniques, but they have zero attachment to those kids. They're professionals. They're so good at taking care of the kids and teaching them, but they're not attached. So as parents, could you really say that I couldn't take care of my kids properly without attachment? No, you know, you probably had favorite teachers when you were in school who you have so much respect for, who you really felt had care and affection for you, but you know they weren't attached to you. You didn't care that they weren't attached to you. You cared that they took good care of you. <laughs> That's what you cared about. So think of it that way as a parent. You don't have to be attached to your kids to take good care. In fact, the teacher is in a better position to take proper care because the teacher doesn't have attachment clouding his or her judgment. Why do we have big emotional reactions in the family? Because of attachments. Remove the attachments and everybody would behave in a much more harmonious way. I'm just telling you very briefly because my time is almost up here tonight. So you must practice both karma sannyas and karma yoga. Karma sannyas builds the attachment and karma yoga maintains that feeling of connection throughout the day. Like you never forget, I am. No matter what you're doing throughout the day, you always remember, your feeling of self is there. So add one more thing to that. I am Krishna's das. I am Krishna's friend. I am Krishna's mother or father. Like that. Add that feeling of relationship to Krishna. So it's not just I am, but I am with Krishna. Kripaluji Maharaj gives a, a very practical thing that you can do in your life. He says, when you start work in the morning, maybe you go to the office or wherever you are, when you start work, just for a moment before you start, visualize a place where Krishna is. Standing in front of you or maybe sitting or on your desk 
or behind you somewhere. It's his place. So you see, okay, I'm not alone. Krishna is here with me. You start your day like that, feeling that I am not alone. He's here. Then every hour throughout the day, after one hour, you stop what you're doing just for a few moments and just remind yourself, oh yeah, Krishna's standing right there. I'm not alone. He's with me. He's watching me. Then go back to your work. An hour, an hour later, again, stop what you're doing. Just for a moment. You don't even have to do rup dhyan. You don't have to think like, okay, how is his crown and how is his peacock feather and all. Just remember, he's here. I'm not alone. Every hour on the hour. If you actually do this, you will see a difference. And no one can uh, get you in trouble for doing that. Your boss is not going to say, why did you lift your head for two seconds and stop working? You all look at the clock, right? You just go, mm-hmm. so just look, take a second, and oh, Krishna's still here with me. Good. Same thing. Then when you get used to doing it every hour, do it every 30 minutes. And when you get used to that, do it every 15 minutes. And when you get to every 15 minutes, you'll become like a compulsive rememberer. (laughs) It'll become such a habit for you. You'll be compulsively remembering Krishna every second. Oh, he's still here. Oh, he's still here. Yes, he's here. You'll feel like, like your boss is standing over you, watching you work. You'll feel that Krishna is standing over you, watching you work. You'll never feel alone. But you have to practice. This is the sadhana. Sadhana means practice. So, along with doing your karma sannyas practice throughout the day, you try to maintain that feeling of attachment to Krishna and you, you work at that by remembering Him every hour on the hour and then every 30 minutes and then every 15 minutes. And when you get, say you get a break, let's say you have a couple minutes break, then instead of going and uh, gossiping with the rest of your co-workers, just take a minute. This is another trick, not trick, but like a, a tip given by Kripaluji Maharaj, which is so effective. If you actually practice it, you'll see such a big difference. When you get a minute or even ten seconds to yourself, with your breathing, do Radhe Nam Jap or Radhe Sham Jap, like this. Ra on the inhalation and De on the exhalation. Or Radhe on the inhalation and Sham on the exhalation. Just even if you have a minute break at work, just take a minute and say Radhe, Radhe while you're sitting there. Not out loud, silently. You're not saying it out loud. Just in your mind, as you breathe in, you say as you breathe out. Either Radhe or Radhe Sham. Radhe Sham. So these tips will help you remember Radha and Krishna throughout the day. So the one who practices like this gets results. Remember I told you that on this path you have to do Getting the knowledge is only part of it. We actually have to put it into practice. So it all comes down to that. You see, if someone has understood all of this, but doesn't practice, in other words, what I've explained today and yesterday, if they don't do that, then it's kind of like, if. It's a nice, having that knowledge is like a nice decoration. Like you have a smartphone with a nice colorful skin on it. It looks nice, but your phone doesn't work. It doesn't even make a single phone call. So it's got a nice decoration. Like that, you have all this knowledge, but if you don't put it into practice, it's like, what's the use? The phone doesn't even make a phone call. What's the use of having a nice skin on it, right? So what's the use of all this knowledge if in the end, we don't even put it into practice? So if we put it into practice, we'll see something start to happen. This is how you measure your progress. This part is also important because 
as I mentioned, you don't get the results of this practice after death. Don't think like, oh yes, I'll just keep practicing bhakti and then after death I'll get entrance to the divine abode. You have to get God realized now. If you get God realized before you die, then you'll go to the divine abode. Or however much spiritual progress you made in your life, that much spiritual progress you take with you into your next life. You don't get anything extra after death. So it means if you're going to practice this, you want to see some results. And how to measure your results on the path of bhakti is actually very simple. You should see that your worldly attachments are reducing and that your attachment to God is increasing. I mean natural detachment from the world. Sahaja vairagya. I don't mean renouncing like saying, no, I shouldn't have that thing. I mean from inside the desire is reducing. See, that's a big difference. Having the desire and not allowing yourself is one thing. But having the desire itself go away, that's a sign of progress on the path of bhakti. That means that your heart is purifying. So if worldly attachments are reducing, you'll notice. You'll notice that my desire for these things is not as great as it used to be. It, it used to torment me. <laughs> Those desires would never leave me alone. Now I have relief, or I'm starting to get relief from worldly desires and worldly attachments. And then you'll also see, like Rupa Goswami says, Namagane sada ruchihi. Eventually, we actually start to experience bliss while doing bhakti. So then we get ruchi. Just like if you give a child a sweet candy and he tastes it. Mmm, that was so nice. Then what? He wants more, right? So once you taste the sweetness of bhakti, you want more. It's not like right now the case may be, okay, yeah, it's good, I sat for half an hour and did kirtan, that's enough. Eventually your mind will want more. Oh, I did half an hour, oh, no, I want to keep doing more, I want to keep doing more. That's a sign of progress. When the mind starts to get attached to Krishna, then you start experiencing the ras of the path of bhakti and then you actually want to do devotion. Right now, taking my words, you might make yourself start devotion. Saying, yes, it makes sense, so I'm going to do it. But eventually, if you keep doing it, you'll get to the point where you'll see these results. So really, it's just two sides. Lessening of worldly attachments and desires from the inside. An effortless reduction. And on the other side, a natural attraction towards Krishna and all of, you know, you want to hear more leelas, you want to sing his name more, you want to do more rupdhyan. When that feeling starts coming up, that's another sign. In addition to this, Rupa Goswami says, Stambha svedo tharomancha svarabhedo thavepathu he says, as you progress a little more, you may start to experience more thrill while you're doing Rupdhyan and chanting Krishna's name. He mentioned a few symptoms of uh, the, the bhakti that you might feel in your heart. Like, you might tremble or feel a thrill in your heart, like a, an excitement in your heart when you think of Krishna. Tears could come, real tears of longing for Krishna may come. You may get like goose, goose bumps, like when the hair stands up on the back of your neck or on your skin. That's another. These are signs of the, the feelings from inside of the bhakti you feel for Krishna that manifest in your physical body. 
So there are kind of higher and higher uh, levels of this, but I'm telling you just initially what you may start to feel is some of these, like a thrill in the heart, tears coming, these kinds of things. So you know that I have to get there. See, if you're practicing bhakti and you're not having these feelings, it means, first of all, you should be careful. Okay, am I doing it how it was prescribed? Okay, if I am, then it just takes more time. I just have to keep going. See, people, we all tend to be quick to give up. Like if someone's digging for water, and the water may be 50 feet down. And they dig 20 feet down and say, Huh, I've been digging for 20 feet. I still haven't found water here. This is a bad place to dig for water. Goes over somewhere else, starts digging. Goes down 10 feet. There's no water here either. Goes somewhere else, digs down 30 feet. Doesn't find water there either. Gives up. Goes somewhere else, digs 40 feet. Again, no, there's no water here. See, he's dug a total of 200, 300 feet, but he still hasn't found water because he kept giving up. So we keep changing. Oh, I tried this. Let me try this. Oh, let me try this. Let me. We keep trying all these different paths. Find a path that makes practical sense and follow it until you get what you're looking for. So dig in one place for 50 feet and keep digging. Even if you get to gravel, that's tough, or rocks. Just keep digging till you get through it. Don't give up. That's how you get progress and ultimately success on the path of bhakti. So bhakti is very, very powerful and very simple if it's understood correctly. Obviously, I've been explaining bhakti to you for the last... In fact, this is the ninth speech I've given you on the path of bhakti. So there is a lot to understand about practicing bhakti. But it's not... These things are not difficult to understand. You just have to understand it, keep it in mind, and then practice accordingly. And if you practice, you will get the results. 